I want to invite you this evening to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's on page 1,233. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. This is God's Word. So to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Let's pray together. Our great God in heaven, we come before you this evening desiring to have your spirit minister to our hearts, that you would impress your word upon our hearts and our minds, that we would meet with you now in this hour. And Lord, be with me as we look together at this marvelous passage from the Apostle Paul. And we ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And perhaps one of the greatest gambles that you can take on a summer's evening it's a sign to walk on your back porch or in your yard barefoot. This is because walking on that old wooden porch puts you at the risk of taking a splinter with you back in the house. Or you take the unnecessary risk of walking through your yard that is now more like a minefield with stickers, thorns, and other things that can cause you pain at the bottom side of your foot. And though these splinters are small, they can cause lots of pain. And oftentimes to remove the splinter itself can be quite difficult, and even sometimes make the pain even worse. One splinter can cause you to have a limp along the rest of your day because of the sharpness of the pain. And all that because of a broken piece of wood that's stuck up in your foot can cause you much annoyance and much pain. Well, similarly for all of us, our trials and afflictions we encounter in life can cause a similar pain. It is difficult to find any possible reason why such pain can enter into our lives. And when afflictions find their way into our lives, we become weak. And this is because the pain of the adversities weighs us down into a condition of weakness. And though there could be minor annoyance that disturbs our lives, these minor annoyances can cause us much pain. So how do we understand these afflictions? And how might we find a purpose behind the pain? And how do we find strength in weakness. Well, the Apostle Paul helps us in our text tonight to understand that there is a purpose behind such affliction. He shows us that the afflictions in our lives that stick their thorns in our skin have a purpose. Not only does he show us the reason why, he shows us that it is in fact in weakness that we are truly strong. And so this evening what we will learn from our text is that we bear our thorns because it is only in weakness that Christ's power makes us strong. 
And to do so, we will consider this text under three headings. From verse 7, we will observe that we must bear our thorns. Then from verses 8 through 9, we will see that we must take our thorns to the Lord. And then from verse 10, we will see that we must be content in weakness. And our passage comes in the context of what Paul has been doing up to this point from chapters 10 to 13. And he is defending his ministry in light of the claims of the super apostles. And this is one of Paul's chief concerns in this specific letter. We are introduced in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians to the problematic super apostles who were undermining the character and the teaching of Paul in Corinth through their false teaching. They claimed that Paul was weak, that he was cowardly, and that they were bigger and better than the true apostles. And these super apostles boasted in themselves and pridefully commended themselves for their work of false teaching in Corinth. And to combat the boasting of the super apostles, Paul begins to boast himself. The difference with Paul, though, here is that Paul boasts in his weakness and not how great he thinks himself to be. He begins to boast in his weakness by recalling the sufferings that he has experienced as an apostle in chapter 11. He recalls the abuse and the mistreatment and the hardships that come with his, with his apostolic ministry in taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, in chapter 12, Paul begins by continuing his boasting to counter the super apostles. And to do so, he recounts the great revelations of the Lord that he received. And he recalls one specific revelation that he received 14 years prior. And in this revelation, it tells us in chapter 12, verse 3, that he was caught up to the third heaven and heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. And these great revelations surely would be the grounds for all kinds of boasting. Because it's not every day that someone's just taken up into the third heaven to have this experience of God. Well, surely the super apostles would have boasted in an experience like this, but not the true apostle. His attention turns again in chapter 12 to boasting in his weakness, rather than his experience of these incredible revelations. And he shows us the reason why he's experiencing weakness and why he does not boast in himself. And so to help Paul from, as verse 7 tells us, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, he tells us that a thorn was given to me in the flesh. And a better way to understand this language is uh, this word, uh, becoming conceited, simply means to have an undue sense of self-importance, to think yourself more important and more strong than what you really are. And to keep Paul from falling to this type of thinking as an apostle who, who experienced these awesome things, these great revelations, he bears this thorn. And this thorn in his flesh was used to bring about the weakness in Paul through affliction. And the word for thorn here in this text refers to a, a minor annoyance that causes a lot of pain. And think of that splinter in your foot that you got from walking on your old wooden porch in the summertime. Well, Paul even dubs this thorn a messenger of Satan that is harassing him. And the word for harass quite literally means being punched in the face, being beat down by someone with their fist. And the affliction that Paul was experiencing here from this thorn was painful, as we see was laying him low in weakness. We need to observe something important here about this thorn, 
In verse 7, Paul says that this thorn was given me in the flesh. Well, in the Greek, this means that the thorn was given to him by a personal agent. And if we follow the context of this entire chapter, we know that the personal agent giving this thorn is God. See, just as God gave Paul these amazing and incredible revelations, he gives to Paul this thorn. But Paul also goes ahead and names this thorn a messenger of Satan. In other words, he gives credit to Satan for this thorn and the pain that comes with it. So what's going on here? Is God or Satan responsible for the thorn and the affliction that has come into Paul's life? Well, a helpful paradigm to view this dynamic between the activity of Satan and tormenting Paul and the sovereignty of God, we can turn back to the Old Testament and look at Job. See, God did not inflict any of those torments upon Job, but simply allowed Satan to use his devices to test Job. And though God was not the agent to bring about the suffering, God was in control the entire time. And this is the same thing here in this text. God is in control, sovereignly using the pain inflicted by this thorn and this messenger of Satan in Paul to grow him, to teach him, and to humble him. Now, many commentators have spilled much ink over what exactly this thorn in the flesh is. Some will say that this thorn is some sort of bodily affliction, maybe as an illness or some sort of physical condition. Others will say that it's some sort of temptation to fall into sin. Other commentators will suggest that this thorn are Paul's enemies who oppose his ministry in Corinth. Although there are plenty of plausible options, we do not know with complete certainty what exactly the thorn is. But what we can say with complete certainty is that though the exact nature of the thorn is left intentionally ambiguous, the point is that the thorn was painfully afflicting Paul. And this painful thorn is something that we all will experience at one point or another in the Christian life. See, pride is a spiritual danger for us all. It's in our nature to take the good things that God gives us and then turn them around to make them glorify ourselves. We like to have a false sense of our own self-importance and strength. And so what happens is to prevent us from becoming conceited, God grows us, God teaches us, and God humbles us through these thorns, just as he did with the Apostle Paul. And so the thorn in your life may be a disease. It may be an illness. It may be some physical condition. And those of us here that have experienced such things or seen these, these things in our loved ones know how these physical conditions can bring us down. See, one day you could be active with serving others and receiving praise for your gifts. And then the next you wake up with this illness or this condition and you can't even get out of bed. Or perhaps this thorny life is a temptation to fall into sin that could be perhaps humiliating. You know, you may be someone that's been in the church for a while. Maybe you lead a Bible study. But here you are struggling with this temptation that you thought surely by now you would have had figured out. Or maybe you have people in your life that seem are always working against you. No matter what great things you do to serve God, there's always somebody there to remind you of your shortcomings. Well, whatever it is, there is something present in your life that is inflicting pain to bring you low in weakness. But regardless, but regardless of what specifically is afflicting you and what the nature of the thorn is, you and I are called to bear those thorns. Though we do not understand why, and we can often feel powerless to change our difficult situations, 
We bear our thorns because it is through these thorns that we are weakened and our pride and our sense of self-importance is brought low. And remember that Jesus himself calls us to pick up our crosses and to follow him, to lay down our pride, to put aside our lives, and to suffer with him. And as he bore that crown of thorns himself for you and for me, you must bear your thorns, whatever in God's providence that may be, as you wait for the Lord to bring you that help. So either our thorns can have one or two effects on us. A thorn can either make us harden in our pride, or it can have the effect that it had on the Apostle Paul. It is by observing what Paul does with this thorn that we can better prepare our hearts to deal with the afflictions in our lives. And to properly deal with our thorns, we need to bring them to Jesus. And so this will be our focus as we move into our second heading from verses 8 and 9, as we observe together that we must take our thorns to the Lord. And regardless of what the thorn is that you bear, the path forward will always be the same. We take our thorns to the Lord in prayer, just as the Apostle Paul did in verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And given the context of this passage, we know that the Lord here is Jesus himself. And so what Paul is saying is that the singular instance of the receiving of the thorn is met with three prayers to Jesus for the removal of this affliction and this pain that has come into his life. And what most commentators will point out here is that this is like the experience of the Lord himself, of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And following the celebration of the Last Supper, he takes his disciples into the garden to pray, knowing that he is about to be betrayed. And the Lord prays three times to his God and his Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And this is one of the most distressing moments in the life of Jesus, as he is about to suffer the wrath of God on sin for his people. We cannot imagine to feel that weight of what he was about to endure on the cross as he is sweating blood in this distress in this moment. But knowing that he would submit to the will of God, Jesus still prays. He prays three times at this affliction that the crown of thorns would be taken from him. And going to God in prayer in times of pain, in times of suffering from a thorn, is absolutely key to properly enduring the affliction. This is because in prayer, we can honestly bring ourselves, we can bring our needs, our honest desires to our Father in heaven. And see, prayer is that direct line of communication that we have by the Spirit through Christ to the Father. And it's that line of communication that Christ's blood earned for you and for me. And when we spend time in a prayer, bringing our thorns in humility to God, we acknowledge not just his sovereignty over the thorn itself, but also in having the thorn removed from us. And our relief from the affliction comes and we find that peace of conscience that's given to us in heartfelt, genuine, and expectant prayer to our Father in heaven. And so this is where we need to reflect. If prayer in times of the deepest pain were good enough for Jesus and Paul, is it not good enough for you and me? Do we think that we have our own strength? Is our strength sufficient to get us through the pain of our thorns? Well, surely if we are being honest with ourselves, we know that practically that's how we function. 
We like to think that we can just go get that pair of tweezers and pull out the thorns from our flesh. But just as we would with those pesky splinters that we pick up in the yard. But in trying to get out that splinter ourselves, we often can make the pain worse. And we need help from someone who can get a better angle to get the thorn out from the bottom side of our foot. Well, in the same way with the thorns that afflict us that Paul is talking about here, we need help to get them out. We do not need to rely on ourselves, but rather we just need to go to Christ, go to God in prayer for our relief. So let us be reminded and encouraged to follow the example of Paul here. Because he gets an answer to his prayer, though it may not be the answer that we so expect in these times. But see, Paul would never be the same again after hearing this response from Jesus. And you know how there are times in your life when somebody says something to you that immediately becomes ingrained in your memory? And maybe you could replay those words instantly in your mind many years later. Maybe it was the words of a parent or a teacher or a coach or maybe even a pastor. Moments where someone spoke, spoke something to you that helped you to become who you are today. Well, for me personally, I can replay in my mind certain things from sermons that I listened to at the time of my conversion. And hearing those powerful words of the gospel changed everything for me. I can still recall some of those words today. Well, this experience here for the Apostle Paul would be one of those experiences. For he would never be the same after Jesus spoke these words to him. We know that these words serve such a purpose for Paul because he uses the language of the perfect tense to describe the act of Jesus speaking to him. And see, perfect tense always communicates completed and perfect finished action. In the words in verse 9, but he said to me, communicates that very idea. In the words Christ spoke to Paul are the final word in regard to this thorn. There was to be no more conversation about this thorn after Jesus spoke these words to him. And so Paul would replay these words over and over again in his head after hearing them. So look back at verse 9 with me real quick. Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And these words are, in fact, the climax of everything set up to this point in 2 Corinthians. And that this is what defines the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Weakness. His opponents, the super apostles, boasted in themselves, in their own strength, to do the work of their ministry. But what defines Paul's ministry? Weakness. And that's why he responds at the end of verse 9. With therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. You see, Paul takes great joy in his weakness. And how is he able to find this joy then to even boast in his weakness? Because he knows that it is only in weakness that the power of God and Jesus Christ rests upon him. And consider here for your own life the words of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Do you know that these words apply just as much to you and to me as they did to Paul? This is because that you and I bring nothing to the table when it comes to justifying ourselves to God. We don't bring him anything to make him love us more. We didn't do anything to cause him to save us. And there is nothing that we can do to bring about the power of God and the Holy Spirit in regeneration and in sanctification that God works in our hearts to accomplish God's purposes for our lives.
And we are completely reliant upon the grace of God given to us in Christ, not only to come to faith, but to live our lives as Christians. As the Lord tells us in Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. And this is why Paul earlier in this letter says, we had this treasure in jars of clay to show you or to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. So just as that clay jar can house a great treasure, but be easily shattered due to the weakness of the jar, so does Paul possess the treasure of that great power of Christ in him. And that power to perform his apostolic ministry is Christ working in him and through him to reach the world. He does not rely on his own strength, his own abilities, or his skills, but only upon the grace of God working in him and through him. But the issue is that we often say this is what we believe. But practically, our lives can show that we believe something else when it really comes down to it. We like to think that we are strong enough to solve our own problems, fight our own temptations, overcome our trials, instead of resting in the sufficiency of the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that the consistency and the vitality of our prayer life is a good gauge to test how important and strong we think we really are. And I have found that the most, it is most difficult to remember the sufficiency of the grace of Christ when things are going good, because you don't think in those times that you really do need his grace. And this is because we do not feel the pain of the thorn when things are going good, so we neglect to pray. And we neglect to make the use of the means of grace that God gives us to minister to our hearts, to remind us of our deep need of Christ. But the answer to prevent such a slipping in our thinking is through prayer. It is the constant act of prayer and reading and meditating upon God's word that we will be reminded of our weakness. And if we know that we are weak, we will know that we are strong. Because Christ's power is perfected in our weakness. And so this is why from verse 10... We will observe under our third and final heading this evening that we must be content in our weakness. Well, the implications of all this leads Paul to conclude in verse 10. You can look back at verse 10 with me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. In all the adversities that he has faced over the course of his, of his ministry... He finds contentment with them. He does not say that because of the power of Christ working in his weakness that he is free from the thorns, but rather he finds contentment in that weakness. And this goes to show something true of the Christian life, and especially in the work of the ministry and our service to others in the church that we are all engaged in here. Adversity, trial, and weakness are all marks of the Christian life, and are included in this calling. And we are called to find contentment to endure through it all in this life. And this is the pattern seen throughout all of Scripture. And consider the opposition that the prophet Jeremiah faced, hated by his friends and his fellow countrymen, beaten and placed in the stocks to be humiliated, thrown in a cistern left to die. All these things, all this opposition, 
all this weakness because Jeremiah was fulfilling his calling as a prophet to Judah to simply open his mouth and declare God's word to the people. But what the Bible clearly presents to us is that this world is fallen under the control of the forces of darkness. And to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a follower of the light, that you have the path of eternal life illuminated for you by believing in his name. Our struggle in this world, as Paul himself tells us in Ephesians 6, is with the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And these forces not only rage against Christ, it rages against his people. That means that you will meet opposition, attacks, as we have seen, afflictions and thorns, that all work to bring you to your knees in weakness. And what Paul is also not saying in this text is that because of the power of Christ given to him in his weakness, that these things hurt less. He's not telling you and I that he does not feel the pain, that he does not feel the anxiety, that he does not feel the distress and the true struggle of all these things. But again, he's able to find a contentment to endure. And for those of us here tonight that are feeling the pain of one of these thorns as we speak, this encouragement is for you. And so do not try to find the strength to just glance over that actual pain that you are experiencing. Don't try to neglect how the thorns and afflictions in your life are actually hurting you. Recognize that the pain that you are experiencing is a real pain, that your trials really are a struggle. And you find yourself in the middle of this cosmic battle. And as the devil seeks to destroy you through these thorns, but take heart. Because the last words of our text are just as true for you as they were for Paul. You look back at the end of verse 10. For when I am weak, I am strong. And this is something that the world does not understand, and nor can it, because the world is held in darkness. I think of the words here of the Stoic philosopher and emperor of Rome, Marcus Aurelius. He says, look well into thyself. There is a source of strength which will always spring up if you will always look there. And that quote was given in the context of ancient Rome, but surely that quote is very fitting in the day and time in which we find ourselves here and captures the spirit of our age. And that's what we often hear in today's world, that the individual self has everything and all the power to get through the problems of life. Though Marcus Aurelius is right to say that we can look within to find strength, That strength's not of ourselves. The strength that we have internally comes from Christ. It comes from his Holy Spirit when he gives us his spirit in our hearts to bring us to himself. And do we not see clearly this exact thing put on full display for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That he was born in the weakness of our flesh under the law. He was made like us in every respect. He experienced the exhaustion and the hunger, and the thirst that we experience. And he was tempted and tried in every way, just as we are. And he was scourged. He was crucified. He was left hanging on a cross, naked, alone, with criminals, in weakness. And he was content to endure this weakness, so that you would be forgiven. But it was because he experienced this weakness, 
these thorns and afflictions, that God raised his body, not into a state of weakness, but into a state of exaltation. No longer would he taste the weakness of the flesh. No longer would he face the thorns of life. No more pain from the darkness of this world would come upon him. And now he exists in that perfect glory as he takes his throne at the right hand of God the Father in the strength of his exaltation and calls sinners home to himself and gives us the power of his spirit to live this Christian life and to make it through in this pilgrimage. And that is where your strength comes from, struggling Christian. Know that if you find yourself weak and weary from the thorns, that there is one who is reigning over everything in your life that knows your weakness. He knows that you have nothing to offer back. He knows that you have no strength within yourself to fix your problems. He knows you have no strength to deliver yourself from your thorns. And because he knows this, he gives you that same strength that he himself has in your heart through the Spirit. And that same strength, that same resurrection power that raised his body out of the grave on the third day, that power is given to you. And what you need to endure to find the contentment to endure through the weaknesses and trials and pains of life is found only in Christ. And look no further, for you have found the strength to overcome your adversities, to overcome all the trials in his face. And with that strength to endure our weakness, we know that at the end is that same glory that he himself has. And at the end, there's no longer death. There's no longer pain. There's no longer weakness. But there is eternal life. There is glory for you in his name. So knowing that our thorns are not without a purpose, but are to push us to find our strength in Christ so that our eyes will become fixed upon him again. It will be free from all the thorns of this life when we receive the glory that he promises to give us. So as we leave here this evening, I want to pose the same question from the beginning. How is it that we find our strength in our weakness. And what we learn from this text is that our strength is found actually in our weakness. And the thorns that annoy us, the thorns that hurt us, are not without a purpose. We do not need to go get those, get those pair of tweezers and, and try to get a, a funky angle and remove the thorns that are on the bottom side of our foot. We don't need to try to remove the thorns that afflict us in weakness as we would do with those pesky splinters. But rather now, we are to find ourselves seeking the Lord in prayer, seeking God's face in Jesus Christ, that he would give us the strength to find the contentment to endure. For we know if we endure, we know what's on the other side of this pain. That we would find the strength that is only given by Christ through his spirit to us. So know then that when we are weak, when the thorns of affliction entangle you, that if you are in Christ, then in fact, you are strong. And may you find that comfort and encouragement you need to continue on through the pain and through the weaknesses of your life. And know that those afflictions are given to you in your weakness. It is in that very weakness that you, brothers and sisters, are strong. So look to Christ when you experience weakness and fix your heart upon the sufficiency of his grace for you that you may be filled with his power. 
And may you find the contentment in the weakness that you so desperately need, just as Paul did. For when you are weak, you are indeed strong. Let's pray together. Our great God in heaven, we thank you that you have given us your son, that he has made us strong in our weakness through his spirit, that we can rest upon him, that his power is perfected in our hearts. And Lord, give us the encouragement we need, meet us where we need to be met, and bless this word upon our hearts and our minds. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.